live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Trying to just grab all the bags, as the kids say. Is that how they say it? I don't know. Whatever. No, stop with the... Where was the question? <laughs> you want to kill me over some pizza? Yes. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Silver 7's our Thursday home on ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and company. Adam Hill is alongside. Ari's back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Busy, busy day today. We'll get to what's trending in just a little bit. Two o'clock hour guest. We always talk to Xavier Pope out of Chicago, legal analyst, cultural analyst. So we'll get to all of that. But uh, we got a big day in sports with one of our major league teams locally. WNBA draft is coming up. In about two hours, so uh, hopefully we're going to check in here with Bill Lambeer in just a couple minutes. But hockey on the top of the mind, and uh, last night they did it again. Kings haven't been as horrible this year as maybe some people thought, but they can't solve the VGK mystery. Uh, no. Season series wrapped up 6-2 VGK in the season series. That was also the score of the game yesterday. So uh, the Golden Knights doing what they're supposed to do and dominating the lesser tier of competition in the division and uh, getting through that season series, a team that there's no love lost clearly between the Kings and the Knights, but the the rivalry isn't as intense as it could be or will be at some point when the teams are uh, kind of on, on level footing, I would think. Uh, but some good signs for the Golden Knights as well. Uh, you know, the third line uh, with Janmark added uh, in his first game, they were all over the place. They were so dangerous throughout the first period in particular. Uh, just clicked right away, and some of that speed really uh, did did wonders for uh, for getting that line going, uh, and and put a lot of pressure on the Kings' defense. And you know, Max Petretti scores one of the weirder goals of his career, and the Golden Knights just kind of poured on. As you know, no matter who they play in goal right now, uh, now they're back on the right track. They're winning. It was for a while. It was only uh, they could only win the games that Leonard played, but now uh, they're both winning. And so the the Golden Knights are on the right track here. For those who don't follow the Golden Knights, Janmark. Yeah, acquired at the deadline, Matthias Janmark. Uh, just just playing in his first game yesterday. And uh, they bring him in. And, you know, that wasn't a big splash. It wasn't the kind of guy that uh, the league's going to look around and say, whoa, look at this. Golden Knights made a big move at the deadline. No fans, I think, are going to do the same. Just a kind of a depth piece. But he does have that one characteristic. characteristic. And it's funny. Uh, not funny, I guess, but... Uh, we'll talk about the, the aces in a minute of, you know, they don't really need a great player. They need, they're need they looking for people with, like, one identifiable trait that's going to help the team. And for the Golden Knights, they were, you know, they identified somebody that had some speed, maybe didn't have the production, uh, but has the speed to impact defenses and uh, maybe jumpstart that third line. And so far, listen, it's one game, but it worked. The speed really killed the Kings for that third line. Why were they looking for speed? I, I don't think that's necessarily what they were looking for. I'm just saying they, they were looking for maybe somebody with one trait, like one identifiable trait All right. that's pre, you know, that puts a pressure on the defense. And the speed, I think they, they identified as something that, hey, if you put a very speedy player on that third line, uh, the third line that hasn't really done a whole lot, although they've been you know impacting some games lately, uh, but for much of the year hasn't really, hasn't really done a whole lot. You compare some more speed with Alex Tuck uh, on the third line. Uh, they they kind of figured out, hey, that's something that you can do. 
And they did. They went out and found a guy that had a lot of speed, and, and you, you saw it show up on the, on the ice yesterday. So Knights with the victory. They get it done. Pull off the season sweep of the L.A. Kings. Sweep of the trip, a 6-2 season finale, season finale of the Raptor. All right, well, let's get to uh, what's going on today with the WNBA draft. Uh, Bill Ambeer, coach of the Aces, is up with Cofield and Company. How you doing, Bill? I'm a little tired today, but, you know, watching video all night long and all day long and not getting very far. All right, well, you know, I want to get into uh, – let's get into that right off the bat because the, the draft is coming up in just a little bit. Uh, you're watching video. I mean, how much different is it right now trying to get ready for a draft versus normal times when you have a lot more face time with the players? It's a little strange. Uh, you know, you weren't able to go to the arenas and watch them in person. You had to watch them all on, on tape. Uh, you couldn't interview them face-to-face. It's always on Zoom calls. You never know what's going to happen with those things. So it's, it's strange, but, you know, it is what it is. You've got to make the most of it and try to hunt and peck your way through uh, what you're going to do. So you talk about watching tape, like right up to right up to the end here. Uh, can you almost over prepare? Can you watch too much and maybe get in your own head uh, when you have an opinion on a player? <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> you know, you you try. You sometimes say, "Well, we pick twelve and fourteen, so we're going to get what's left over." Um, so the disparity uh, between the players is so small that you know, and you still don't know who's going to be left on the board at times. So. You keep going over the same tape over and over again and go, all right, then four hours later you change your mind. <laughs> uh, so it's better just to get it done and go bang. But we always say it all works out. You know, sometimes you make a mistake and sometimes you make the right call. But, you know, with the, there's no main character that you know for sure it's going to be a star or be a solid player. It's all hit or miss. It's, sometimes it's just blind stinking luck. <laughs> well, when you pick 12th and 14th and you're, and you're trying to draft, you know, we, all, we always talk about doing mock drafts, and we're in the media, we're, we're trying to figure out who everybody's going to pick and where they're going to go. How much do you have to try, to try to guess and think about what the other teams are going to do? Like, do you try to get into their heads and decide what they're going to do so you know who's going to be there at 12 and 14? Well, that's pretty much the fun and the, and the main thrust of what, how we do business for a draft. You know, you, you network, you watch some of the local papers in other towns, uh, all the general managers will lie through their teeth half the time. Uh, they'll, they'll throw out misleading information. They'll outright lie to you at times. Um, and so, you know, you're just trying to figure out between the lines who's telling the truth. And you have your friends, uh, so you, you can count on them to tell you the right stuff. And hopefully they have a friend or two that won't talk to you, so you can get third-hand information. So it's, it's like putting a puzzle together. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be a surprise or two. And everybody starts yelling, what the hell was that? <laughs> and fortunately, if we see some what the hell was that, then a better player will fall our way. Well, Coach, you talk about other general managers kind of putting out smoke screens and lying. You don't practice in the art of deception, do you? Not, not on, you know, every two hours, but every <laughs> four hours I might. Uh, you know, it's part of the game. Um, you know, you don't want to really tip your hand because a lot of times there's trades. If someone knows, let's take an example of we're picking 12 and 14 and someone who's at 15 in a, in a better, deeper draft, they may hear we're going to take their player and they may try to move up three or four spots just to beat us to the punch. So you really, that's, that's basically a thing why people will mislead is to have nobody moving up in front of them to take the player that they want. 
Bill Lambeer from the Aces getting ready for uh, the draft here coming up in just a little bit. Coach, you guys are in a, I, I, you know, not to, you know, not to put too much pressure on you, but you guys are in a great position with an unbelievable roster right now. Uh, so what, what do you look for in a draft when you've got so much talent already on your roster? Um, actually, you know, the, 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 it sounds like a cliche, but it's not the, the best basketball player. Yeah. Um, we have most positions covered, all of which is covered uh, right now for, for this particular year. Uh, there aren't, we're not going to get a star. Uh, we're probably going to get a player who or two who won't crack our rotation. So we're looking for a, we have a great chemistry in our ball club, and we don't want any knuckleheads coming in here and screwing it up. Uh, so we do a little bit of background on, their, on them as a person. Uh, and then we're looking at two years out. Um, for they come in here, they have a certain skill that can participate in this league. Now we have to intensely work on their game in the gym with the idea that in two years from now they're going to be a contributor. Um, some players can't handle that. Some players have always played, most players have always played, you know, 30 minutes a game their whole life and been starters, and now they're a bench player and doesn't play. They'll send some south. Uh, and they'll just kind of give up or be, or be malcontents. Uh, so we're looking for the, the character kids who realize that they aren't going to be a star and they have to work on their game and get in the gym for them to contribute and enjoy the ride while, while they're on it. Set up the draft for us. Uh, who is going to be the number one pick or who are the candidates to be the top player and why? Uh, yeah, Kyle, you're from, from Texas, big 6'5". Um, not necessarily a consensus number one. Um, the, a, a Finland kid, six foot four, 19 years old, who will go two probably. Um, those are probably the two main ones that anybody was picking would take one or two. Dallas has both of them. They have both one and two picks. So it doesn't, I think they're going to take the American kid number one because you're able to get a lot more publicity. She so can do a lot more radio interviews and TV interviews in their marketplace. So, you know, the Finland kids, you know, 8,000 miles away. It'll be more difficult and problematic, um, but I think there, there is no there is no Asia Wilson in this draft. Um, that was a once in a, a, a decade player that we got a couple years ago. Uh, so this is just going to be, you know, and even the first pick in the draft may not start, and there oh, will wow. be first round picks in this draft that will get cut. That's how hard our league is to to, to get in and break into this league. That's amazing. All right, coach. Well, we know you're busy. Uh, good luck tonight. Have fun. We appreciate it. I appreciate the time. Thank you very much. There he is, Bill Lambert, running the uh, aces and brutally honest. We'll get to what he was saying there about the, the draft on multiple occasions. And that's, that, is, uh, that is pretty harsh. You know, he's saying, hey, we'll get what's left over. Uh, you're going to have a lot of players who are drafted or actually cut. Uh, the WNBA now with uh, a bigger pool of players around the world is much more difficult to just make a roster than it was, say, uh, 10 years ago. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Happy hour starts down here at Silver 7s. 3 o'clock, 2.77 on... The beers, well drinks, shots, margaritas. you got to ask the bartender for uh, what you can get. But 277 on the drinks and uh, two different bars to hang out at. you got the William Hill Sportsbook as well. Later in the show, we're going to go through some of the individual draft props that William Hill has up. That'll be pretty cool. Now, speaking of the NFL, Raiders just cut two players. 
maybe a surprise because they uh, certainly it doesn't feel like they're all set on defensive line but I guess they have enough confidence in some of the new guys they brought in that they uh, decided to get rid of two of their defensive linemen yeah Arden Key uh, which has been kind of a controversial player for the Raiders in terms of uh, he's he's got a lot of near sacks uh, over the years it's kind of been the the trademark of Arden Key, but never really has been able to finish and hasn't generated enough consistent pass rush, even though they've kind of tried to make him a, uh, a designated pass rusher uh, as opposed to, you know, keeping him out there all the time. So not really that surprising. It was actually more surprising that he was still on the roster than anything else. Uh, but then Maurice Hurst, a defensive tackle who has actually been really good for the Raiders uh, the last couple of years. He's gotten better every year. Uh, he was a projected first-round pick. Uh, in 2018, when he came out, uh, yeah, 18, I'm trying to think, 18, 19, it was 18 when he came out. Uh, projected first round pick, he had a heart issue that really dropped him down the draft boards. The Raiders took a shot at him in the fifth round, and he's been good. He hasn't been, you know, a world beater, but he's a really good player. I saw uh, just a stat just now that his nine, he had a 9.4 percent pressure rate, which is 11th in the league among interior defensive linemen. Really good at generating a rush last year, and. I thought he was. I thought he was a very good player for the Raiders last year, uh, but as you said, they brought in a bunch of players this offseason on the defensive line. Uh, they seem to have a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in those guys, and uh, they've moved on from Key and Hurst, which is a combined, you know, four million dollars savings on the cap. Other NFL news: the uh, league has signed what they're calling a tri-exclusive deal with three sports books. Yes, the NFL. Very anti-Vegas for years and years and years. Gambling was the worst thing around the world of sports. They've signed deals with Caesars, DraftKings, and FanDuel. Uh, Roger Goodell speaking says uh, it's a very strongly held view in the NFL. It's been for decades that the threat that gambling could occur in the NFL or the fixing of games or that anyone could, any outcome could be influenced by the outside could be very damaging to the NFL and very difficult to ever recover from. That was Roger Goodell in 2012. Uh, 2017. He said, uh, I think uh, we still strongly oppose legalized sports gambling. The integrity of our game is number one. Four years later, they've now signed a triple-headed sports book deal. So ridiculous. It's, it's so amazing. It really is. Uh, sports betting is bad unless we make money from it. And that's Dave Koch, and I'll, I'll give him credit. Uh, doing a show with him for four or five years, you know, uh, like 2007 on, he would say it all the time, just scoff. He's like, as soon as they are juiced in, they will be fine with sports gambling. They'll be good with it. Sports betting. It's it's. I mean, it's. I'm not. Insane, I mean, I'm not. I'm not mad. It's just I think it's hilarious. Uh, and I don't. I don't know that Goodell even believed what he was saying. But that's that was the stance of the league that they had to be anti-gambling. But I, I will tell you, it was a. You know, it was certainly a thorn in our side for years and years and years. So we'll get updates on that uh, coming up next. So we're going to go out to Chicago, talk to our legal analyst on this Thursday, our culture analyst. Uh, we'll get into what's going on in uh, Minneapolis, the latest with the uh, Dante Wright tragedy. Uh, much more on the way. Even a little talk. I plan on pinning him down about the Gap Band, believe it or not. One of my favorite bands from the 70s. Yes, the Gap Band. Xavier's on the way. Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles. Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's. It's Cofield and Company. It's a 
Thursday. That means it's uh, Xavier Pope time on Cofield and Companies. We're live at Silver 7. So uh, we got some heavy stuff to get into, but we start out on a light note. Uh, I still don't know what Twitter space uh, spaces are and whatever these new spaces are, but you were I saw you tweet out something about uh, Arby's music playing, and I love Arby's, so I might be in this. Yeah, dude. Um, so <laughs> Twitter spaces is basically social audio. Different people will be in a, in a what's known as a space in Twitter, but their clubhouse is called a room. So I think of whatever intellectual property that are attached to the, the, the this particular place that you will be having a, a social conversation, um, all audio. And so our Arby's has, was just on Twitter space. I don't know if it's still going on, where is they're taking the opportunity to basically be like, um, and I so funny, I was just watching Seinfeld last night <laughs> of when George Costanza, he's trying to date this woman. He, he wants to, she doesn't want to date him. And he's trying to put into her head Stenza. And then she likes him just because he's putting in her head like a, a, a pop song. And so Arby's is playing the commercial with Ving Rain singing over and over and over and over and over. There's no conversation. It's just them running a commercial over and over and over. And I think that brands have maybe probably copied this. It's a it's completely free. You basically run a commercial all day in spaces and put it into people's heads. I think it's a brilliant idea. Oh, wow. Programming people to go get the uh, the meat mountain. Or, uh, they have like a ten dollars sandwich with every meat they offer. So I'm fired up. I better stay away because I might want the meat mountain today. The meat sweats. The meat sweats. Uh, I gotta watch what I eat today. I gotta be very careful. I have to make sure that uh, day two after getting the second vax goes well for me. I feel pretty good so far. Um, good. Huh? Uh, yeah, I don't know where you are on this, and we've talked about it before. Hey, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. But how are vax? How are vaccinations going in Chicago and Illinois? Because in, in Nevada, I think we're trending towards uh, a couple of weeks from now. We're going to have more uh, availability on the vaccine than people actually willing to go and get it. Yeah, I think that we're that's what we're kind of heading for in the state of Illinois and Chicago, where I'm at. I get my second shot in two days. I'm stoked. Um, I am a little, you know, jittery about how I'm going to how my body's going to respond. But the first shot that I took. I felt I felt absolutely nothing. And so I'm just excited to live my life post second shot. I think that a lot of people who once you've taken that first shot, you're in whatever you thought about getting a vaccine, all that kind of throws out of the window. Once you get the first shot, you're in, you're invested. But I am hearing um, some reports after the J&J situation came down. Some people getting skittish about getting their second shot or whether feeling they had they had done enough getting their first shot. So definitely want to tell the community, go get your second shot. Um, and get the vac- get get vaccinated. Um, you know, let's get back to normal. Let's live our lives um, and, and move forward to a better future. What do you think of the NFL a couple of days ago telling uh, any team employee who refuses the COVID nineteen vaccination will be barred from tier one or tier two status, which means they'll have almost no access or restricted access within the team facility and will not be around players. It, it, the players are the assets, and <laughs> so you want to be able to protect the players. Uh, these are multi million dollar players, and that 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 hinge on the value of your team. And and billions of dollars in, in broadcast rights. Of course, you do that. You want so just from a strictly financial standpoint, you as a team want to be able to do that. From a legal standpoint, you want to be able to make sure that you are protecting your all the different channels of of your organization. And I think that we're going to see more of that in society, where businesses are going to require that employees, if they want to continue to be employed, to to get vaccinated. Uh, and they're not. That doesn't mean you're forced to get the vaccine, but you're put in a position where if you want to stay employed at a particular institution, you have to get vaccinated to make sure that everyone's safe to be able to protect businesses from liability. Although there are liability shields in multiple states, you want to be able to put the the strongest amount of liability 
protection around your business as possible. It's it, it just makes sense. That's what that's going to be the world that we're living in. So what do you say to people who, you know, don't want to get the vaccine? They're afraid. They ask you, you know, from a legal standpoint, hey, like they can't force me to get the vaccine. This company can't force me. Can they? No, the company can't force you. But right. they, but they, those businesses may have a private right uh, to be able to make sure that their, their employees are vaccinated to be to ensure the safety of their business. That's one. That's completely different. Now, if you get fired because you choose not to get vaccinated, now that brings up a whole host of issues that that are that's connected to healthcare law that really is de- de- developing as we speak. And uh, I think that um, there is a real concern after what happened with the Johnson and Johnson shot. Um, that people will have will be a little bit more skittish about getting vaccinated. I, I think that it's important that we get proper um, information out to the public. I, 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 I literally just talked to someone in, in the last hour that had a Johnson and Johnson shot scheduled for yesterday, and now I'm scrambling around trying to find another place to get vaccinated. And mm. so um, there's a lot of misinformation that, that's going out to the public. We had a prior administration that put out a lot of misinformation that created a culture around misinformation um, around the virus and around the vaccination. Uh, and so we have to be able to combat that um, in this era of as we deal with getting truth to the public and actually just tr- society is dealing with a trust issue with one another. Right. Being separated from each other. And so I think that's one of the biggest issues that we're facing in a new society where we've been all separate in our own silos is how do we bring ourselves back together and trusting one another to be around one another. Xavier Pope is on Cofield and Company. He's our legal analyst on Thursdays, culture analyst as well. We get into a myriad of topics. Uh, last one on the workplace and, you know, in the case of the NFL saying, hey, you know what, you, you, you won't be able to do your job. Uh, you won't have tier one, tier two status. If you have to be in contact with the players, that's going to be a problem. What if you get demoted? Do you have a case like, wait, I don't want to take the vaccine. Now I'm losing status on my job. Like, do you have a case there? You potentially may have a case there. Um, I don't think the case law is well settled in the area of COVID-19 in terms of in terms of your healthcare status and healthcare discrimination, what what are the other factors that are leading to you potentially getting demoted? And I think that that's going to be the bigger issue. I, I, I find that if you're going to get demoted because you didn't take the vaccine, I think companies will find other ways to make sure that they, they cover themselves and cover their butts. But I would strongly recommend people to be able to enforce whatever rights they think that that they're due. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say just roll over and go get a vaccine and and not do anything. Um, I, this is America. We have rights and freedoms. And so if you feel as if you're not comfortable with the vaccine and you feel as if your employer has demoted you, then, yes, you may potentially have a suit versus your your employer. But whether that is successful right now, that's not really well settled law. And so. I think that that's our legal system is going to be tested. We've seen plenty of COVID-19 um, liability suits um, over a thousand of them already up to this point in this year. So we're going to see the legal system tested in the next year over opening up. Xavier Pope's with us at TSPN Las Vegas live on a Thursday at Silver Sevens. Um, a few more vaccine issues because this is going to be a big thing. Like Vegas is opening up. We are opening up on June 1st and we have big shows uh, July 10th. We may have a UFC event, what well, we do, uh, that could have 20,000 people in the building. Right down the road, Garth Brooks could be playing in front of 60,000. Um, now, I don't know what the rules are going to be for getting in. We don't know yet because this could be a county decision versus a state decision. We already saw the county around Buffalo, Erie. We had an official come out, Xavier, and say, listen, Bills and Sabres games, 100% capacity. If we want that, you're going to have to show proof of vaccination. So this is the first real test of hey, are people going to have to have some sort of vax passport to get into their entertainment options of choice? What's going to happen here in the long run? 
a Vax passport. I don't I don't necessarily like that name. Um, I think that it you know, there are, there you have an ID if, if, in order to buy alcohol. You know that that is the population, and it's it's designed to make sure that people are safe drinking. <laughs> there are there are responsibilities around certain forms of presenting yourself to make sure that the public is safe. Vax, having proof of vaccination is going to be what's required all around the world. And this is what the Buffalo Bills are doing is just makes common sense. They want to be able to protect their players, protect, protect. By the, by the way, by the way, I should jump in. It's not the Bills yet. This is Erie County. This and, is Erie County. And the guy and the uh, the the commissioner, whoever it was the official said, we own the stadium. So I actually think this there could be. I don't know what the Bills' stance is on vaccinations, but I feel like we could be setting up situations around the country where local government officials are like, these are the rules, and then teams may, probably behind the scenes, I would think, if they're responsible, then go, wait, we're not totally comfortable with this. I don't But we, we saw this last year, right? Uh, we saw with places that were more open, with Florida hosting the, the NBA in the, in, the, in the bubble and them having lax, more lax rules, and that's where... Uh, the, the the team decided to operate. I think that the the local governments are determining what teams do, and so if you're going, we saw this. What happened with the Toronto uh, with the Toronto teams and having to come to America because they didn't have right. local authorities say it's okay to be here, and so that's not out of the realm of possibility that we are going to see that locals, county, state governments determine what sports teams do. Now, I think it is incumbent. Upon, if it's not the Buffalo Bills, it's not the NHL, NFL, NFL, to have a uniform guideline that they believe is the, going to be the most strictly enforced of protecting the liability of the sport and of the teams. And and why would you, why would you be in one state and try to operate one way, and be in another state and try to operate another way? It, it doesn't make any sense. If yeah. you want to if you want to return back to normal, you want stands full of fans you want home court advantage you want all with all the different things that, that come along with sports it's simple we are now ramping up vaccinations at a increasing increasing capacity require people to if you want to come to the game show proof of vaccination uh, if you want to create an electronic pass to make sure that it's easier to get people in and out of stadiums do that it is for the health and safety of everyone involved not only that it's just efficient I, I'm all about efficiency. If we can get efficient, why don't we do that? Aren't we all tired of being at home? Aren't we all tired of all the, the, the climate that we're living in? Let's do this together. This is not a conspiracy. No one wants to control you. No one wants to give you the mark of the beast. We want to open safely, responsibly. And damn it, I want to go to a concert. I want to go to hear live music. I want to see a game. I want to be able to enjoy, enjoy myself dining out like I did before. I want to travel. Let's be responsible. Let's be smart. This is common sense. Xavier Pope's with us. Uh, one more thing on the vaccination. It's pretty interesting. Uh, Russell Wilson and Ciara will be part of Roll Up Your Sleeves. We're talking about a, a show on April 18th. That's this Sunday, 7 o'clock Eastern. They'll be joined by uh, President Biden, former President Obama, Michelle Obama, a host of Hollywood stars. Uh, the Fouch might be involved. I think there's a convo with him and Matthew McConaughey. What do we think of this, that you, you have to have shows on TV to convince people, like, come on now, 
you know, basically following up your speech right there, I think that's going to be the tone of it. Like, if we want to get back to normal, what do you think about having to have a show to accomplish this? I mean, it's, it's, it's propaganda. Let's be, let's be straightforward with yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, if you are, and I think that when we look at what propaganda is, we look at all from a negative standpoint. But America has used propaganda, and societies across the world have, have used propaganda since the beginning of time to disseminate to populations, hey, this is what we should be doing. This isn't this isn't a new thing. We saw what happened with World War Two and and even with the, the famous the, uh, slogan of women like with the rolling up her sleeves and with the You know, it, this is not a new thing in terms of the, the, the vision of even Uncle Sam, what that looks like. The country has attempted to convince the public of doing things that's for the betterment of the country for, for, for forever. And so I think this is a good thing. I mean, I, I know that people have their thoughts about vaccinations and their freedom. You're entitled to that. But I think it's important to, 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 to show people that we want to be in this together. This is a, we want to be able to bring our country together for to, 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 we want to lift our spirits. We want a better world to live in. I mean, and, and I think that's what it's all about. I will tell you, both times I went to I went to a bigger venue. I didn't go to a pharmacy, but I went to a bigger venue here in Vegas, Cashman Field, which is, a, you know, it's not. A, well, they play soccer there, but they, they have a big convention area. And I actually kind of felt good being around a bunch of people because it felt like, hey, we're all doing the right things. And I was I was really proud just looking at the folks who are working, you know, the folks who are administering the shots. Um, we had a listener, right? I put I put my ID down. We had a listener. Jeremy was doing the check-in. He's got the FEMA code on. And he's like, hey, I listen to the show. And it was a good feeling, one, to get a compliment. But two, it was a good feeling that we were all, like, everyone's in this together. And it was all races. And at Cashman, because of the population around the area, it was highly, uh, highly Latino. Folks that were in there. And, you know, I was looking around. And I'm like, this is really cool. That's what it's all about, man. We are, we have a, we are an inflection point in our society where we're dealing with various issues where people are seeking division actively a society when we are at a place where we should be seeking unity we should be seeking to be on the same page we should be seeking to have a better world that we can all live in and share uh, together Xavier Pope is with us he's going to stick around hmm I don't know that Brett Favre would be listening to this sports talk radio show. I just saw a uh, quote from Brett. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I don't watch games anymore because it's not about the game anymore. So I wonder if he's mad at Russell Wilson. We'll address what Brett Favre is talking about as uh, he's around a lot of people who are turned off by sports. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Crazy day here on a Thursday. Silver 7s is the spot. We got the uh, WNBA draft coming on. If you missed the conversation earlier in the show, we talked to Bill Lambeer. You can get that uh, after the show up at our website, lvsportsnetwork.com. So I went to break uh, with Xavier Pope talking about Brett Favre. So Favre has come out, as so many people have over the last five or six years and just said, you know what? Uh, I'm tired of it. You got to keep politics out of sports. I want to watch a game. I just want to watch the game for what it is. What we're seeing is their thought process. I get to be able to spew things that are explicitly or implicitly biased um, towards marginalized communities. And they don't want to hear anything that's opposite of that, or if that brings attention to um, social equity, um, to ending racial inequality. Uh, they don't want to hear that, but they want to be able to espouse their views. And so Brett Favre is basically saying that keep politics out of sports. You're lying, Brett Favre. You're saying keep the politics I don't like out of sports. Right. And I think we're seeing that's the issue. We, you know, we had three Congress, Congress and senators looking to seek to remove the antitrust exemption from Major League Baseball 
as a response to what Major League, Major League Baseball pulling out of Atlanta for the All-Star game. But wait a minute, stick to sports, but then you're jumping into sports to take politics. <laughs> How does that? Wait, wait, what are we doing here? And so that's it's, it's, it's hypocritical. Yeah. See, that's the issue, Steve. They, they don't want it to be not. There is an active involvement. The involvement is I am invested in a certain way the society lives and moves. I, and I believe that if I don't speak up for that, I'm going to lose something personally to me. And I think the first thing that white people, because Brett Favre basically said, I, I've talked to many people who don't watch sports anymore. <laughs> Based on the broadcast contracts with the National Football League, that's, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> people are watching, watching sports. It's absurd. The, part, he, the other, the other thing a, is, when he, said, when he says he turns on the game and there's no football game, like, what are you talking about during a game? I just saw a tweet. Uh, from an Adrian uh, uh, Amos, and he said, I've never seen politics on third and three. Like, during the, what are you talking about? Because what you're really addressing is the talk around the game and the platforms being used by athletes in the games. The game is there. What, what, are, you, what are you disturbed by during the three hour broadcast? I mean, think about all the different discussions that happen, happen during a broadcast. They're talking about people's families, they're talking about, you know, what, what some guy did in the offseason. They're talking about some some music that was played during the commercial. They're having all different types of conversations during a game. Yeah. So you're basically saying this is a conversation I don't like and I don't want to hear it. Well, if you don't like it, you can turn off. But guess what? They're not turning off because now they're they're forced to hear conversations that make them feel uncomfortable in their skin about having attitudes that need to go away. While we're at it, we got we to gotta talk about what's been going on with the cross-section of sports, Minnesota and Brooklyn Center and Kim Potter, the former officer, uh, taser versus gun and you know saying hey she's a mistake and it seems like the system is basically bought that it was a mistake or you tell me second degree manslaughter is that about right should it be a more serious charge or is there restrictions on the charges because of what we got available right now in the justice system well the system is not buying into it's a mistake if if the mayor did not accept her resignation Ooh, okay <laughs> and and then turn around and she was charged <laughs> and so uh, that's not a, that's not a mistake. And I think that it's interesting that a lot of people complain about protests and protests obviously have worked because look how swift that happened that she was charged. Number one, uh, and protests have worked throughout our history. Um, dissent works. Secondly is the second degree manslaughter charge. If you look at the statute on the state of Minnesota, uh, it, it really isn't clear enough to dis- to really de- to, to basically show the difference between an officer exceeding their training and then and putting other people's lives in jeopardy and it leads to the death. I mean, it's it, on, on its face, you read it, it, it sounds sort of like it, but it's too vague and it, cre- it creates an avenue for reasonable doubt to the jury. And this is important. I have to be able to explain this to, to your listeners. We have to have specific laws that regulate illegal police misconduct because if you're giving the actual statute is being read to the jury after you hear all the evidence, it goes to the jury and say, OK, if you think that this has happened, then you have to convict on this charge. The problem is when you don't have those particular statute relates specifically to law enforcement, the jury is now faced with even after hearing all the evidence and then they match it with the statute that really doesn't specifically speak to law enforcement. They're thinking in their minds, um, are cops criminals? And then they go through this weird process of potential jury nullification. 
and not a convicting on that charge. We have plenty of industries. We saw Bernie Madoff just died. There are certain regulations that govern if you do things financially and that in a securities industry that cause people harm, you will go to jail. Hmm. There are so many different industries that regulate their conduct. And if you go beyond that, you will go to jail. We have to have that in law enforcement specifically. So a lot of these incidences we've had, seen, Steve, they're over touch points, a license plate with the with the uh, with with Karen Nazario. We it was an air freshener um, with Dante Wright. We saw it with a twenty dollar bill with George Floyd, a pack of cigarettes uh, with Eric Garner, a, a pack of blunts by Mike Brown. We can go on and on and on. So if you're on a tail sleeping in our home, these are just mundane interactions people are having with the police. And if it was you have there's against the law to be able to file a, a, a police report on falsely, just we saw with with Jesse Smollett. It should also be criminal to be able to engage the public in such a way. Um, and if they it, that you're just simply harassing them. And if it, if that action was deterred, then we see less of these hashtags. David Post with us. He's our Thursday legal analyst. Alex Rodriguez and Anthony Edwards. So A-Rod is buying into the NBA. Anthony Edwards, one of the young stars, uh, number one pick this year, was like, who? What does that mean for – you know what? I'm not even going to ask a question. What does this mean to you? It's just a funny it moment because I took it as, my God, baseball – like a 19-year-old doesn't know who one of the biggest stars and most controversial figures in sports from like eight years ago. He doesn't know who he is. Listen, in in 20 years, there's going to be a 19-year-old kid gets asked who Anthony Edwards is, yeah. and he's going to say, I don't know who that ah, guy damn is. damn it. We're getting old. It's the circle of life, Steve. It's the circle of life. I don't like it. People, people love you, and then yeah. they forget you. That's that's yeah. what it's all about. <laughs> How about this one? Uh, and a heavy note, you know, it, it was I, I saw a lot of people outpouring of emotion over – DMX, and then I, I saw that you had tweeted about um, rappers and success post uh, hip hop career, and you had top five transitions from hip hop or rapper to being an actor. Uh, a lot of people forget that Mark Wahlberg was a rapper, and you had you actually had him as the number two guy on the list or number two person because Queen Latifah yeah. was also on the list. Yeah, I, I I had it Mark Wahlberg second on that list. A lot of controversial. Comments based because people are like well, Mark Wahlberg wasn't it? He wasn't really a rapper because it was you know the, the song he put out, Marky Mark and a Funky Bunch. But listen here, he 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 went platinum and he had a charting album that his second album. So he technically qualifies as a rapper as as much as you hate to hear it. But Mark Wahlberg. But in terms of actual box office receipts, Queen Latifah will be second after Will Smith. So I adjusted that list on box office receipts. Queen Latifah uh, and she's now on an equalizer. She is. Uh, one of the most influential hip hop artists of all time after Will Smith. Will Smith is unprecedented. He's, he's number one. He's, he's the king of the hill. Yeah. Queen Latifah, um, Mark Wahlberg. Then you have um, Ludacris and, and Ice T and Ice Cube. You know what's amazing about the list is the, you know what the image was of, of hip hop, but then especially like gangster rap and everyone. You know, these are not talented people. They're just profiting off of crime and you know uh, misogyny. And look at look at the list you just mentioned and how much money. They've all how much fortune they've amassed. They're immensely successful and talented people. Yeah, I mean, Ice T saw the grimes on TV. Yeah. Ice Cube is making you know family movies. Um, we, we, Will Smith is was never a quote unquote gangster rapper, but he is one of the best. He one of, he's one of the best actors in Hollywood. Period. Yeah. Queen Latifah never made gangster rap. Um, she pioneered for women entering hip hop. Mark Wahlberg, one of the first white rappers in the game. Say all and Ludacris. You know, never really was was a gangster rapper, more of a party rapper. And now in the Fast and Furious franchise, you know, 
has made tons of money off of movies. And so Ice-T, you know, writing, doing all the different things he's doing. So these, all this list is really full of diverse type of hip hop artists. It yeah. just shows how diverse this is. And I grew up with hip hop. And it's been amazing to see the, the genre grow and develop. Um, not Chet Hanks, though, but, uh, but the, <laughs> the, the, it's, the genre has grown. And it's been, a, it's been great to see that, that this, this genre has been a huge part of our culture. You know where I was going with the gangster rap thing there? I was going full Tipper Gore just to throw, a, throw everyone <laughs> under the umbrella because that's what people do. Um, I'm going to go. Like, this is one last reference that's going to make me sound really old. Uh, but it's something I saw on your Twitter account, at Xavier Pope. I'm a giant fan of going back on YouTube and watching old TV music shows from the 70s, and there's nothing cooler than Don Cornelius and Soul Train, and you posted a video, or someone did, of the Gap Band, right? You dropped a bomb bomb on me. I mean, just the outfit, the friggin' hat, just, it's it's so cool. I mean... Soul Train, it was it was outstanding by the Gap Band. That's one of my favorite songs. I just love watching old clips of Soul Train because the outfits were so amazing. How people people were just dancing and having a good time. There are certain moments of television that you just flat out can't duplicate. There are other shows that try to recreate that. Some shows are just cultural moments, and Soul Train was that. And so I love looking back and watching those old clips. All those outfits, all the shininess, the glitter, the hair. All of that is just really, uh, really interesting to go back and, and, and see. And just because those things happened in the past doesn't mean we can't revisit them. It's Throwback Thursday, as a matter of fact. And I may, I may post something else today and also of some anniversary of some, some hip-hop albums. And so love revisiting that. Love love sharing that. And Soul Train, man. Soul yeah. Train. <laughs> there you go. I may, uh, for, for Throwback Thursday, I may post a picture of a wedding where they set up the kind of the dance alley, and then I went full overbite and just started doing like the double D, you know, hit with my hands. Oh. So it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Hey, um, I, I I didn't picture you to be the best dancer, Steve. Really? But, you know, I think. Yeah, but but you know, I don't know. You may be you may be working it. I think that you should post more Steve dancing videos on your Twitter timeline. <laughs> give us give it all. Give you know give it all at, at, at the at the casino, man. Like let let us know which how you working it, man. We you know get, get us. I miss dancing, so yeah. get get us all hyped for for post vaccination. Throw throw some dance videos in. Hey, have a have the folks at ES. ESPN Vegas, a soul trade line, get it going in the studio, get it popping, man. <laughs> Xavier, have an awesome weekend. That was a really good spot. I appreciate it. You're welcome, my brother, man. This is good stuff, man. That was awesome. That was fun. Xavier Pope, our legal and cultural analyst here on a Thursday NFL draft. Now just a week away, get into our LV Sports Network draft contest, drafting for dough, over $1,000 in prizes in our draft contest brought to you by Nova Home Loans. So you go up to lvsportsnetwork.com. We've got the first 17 picks up there. The person who picks the most correct selections with the teams, you have a chance to win $1,000 in cash and a $250 gift card to the Raider Image Store. It's free. Free to get in. You just got to go to our website, lvsportsnetwork.com. It's lvsportsnetwork.com. Sign up now for our Drafting for Doe NFL Draft Contest at lvsportsnetwork.com. And thanks to Nova Home Loans for putting up the bucks for this great prize. Anytime the Golden Knights are on TV, watch the game at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s and grab your 77-cent Bud Light bottles.